Hello. Hi. Yay. Guys, I just have to commend you on coming out in the middle of a pandemic. I know I said this last time, but yay for us. Also, on a weeknight in a pandemic, wowzers. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, so this is the third Story Slam that we're having. And thank you, Lonely Hearts and Ricky Rick. Yeah. Who, I will tell you, is recording us this evening, which is very exciting. So don't swear. Don't, jokes. You can do whatever, I'm joking, you can do whatever you want. Um, so the theme for this evening is wrong place, right time. And the reason being is that we've all been in very wrong places. Uh, especially in 2020, if any of us have gotten sick this year, you're probably in the wrong place. Um, but wrong place is usually the right place for a story to happen. Really good stories, which is what we have lined up for you this evening. We have six speakers with a short 15-minute break in the middle. Um, and before I continue, I think it's best that we just explain what the hell is even a story slam. So if this is the first time that you are attending one of these, well, the fact of the matter is, is we're just here to climb outside ourselves a little bit uh, with a story. And they can be funny, true, sad, whatever they are, but usually they're 10-minute stories that are personal, that are true, um, and that are according to a specific theme. So, um, yeah, please put your hands together for tonight's speakers. I think it's really brave and wonderful what you're doing. Um, yeah. And without further ado, the first person on our roll call this evening is Jono, who apparently... <laughs> who is apparently going to um, bowl us over <laughs> with a story about poo. Uh, so, <laughs> Jono! Uh, I haven't known Tamlin for like that long, but um Apparently, you only need to know her for about three seconds before you realize that puns are literally her life fucking blood. And we love it. Yeah. All right. Um, hi, everyone. My story is called, um, Oh, the Places You'll Go. Um, I don't know if any of you are German or have ever dated a German or have just known some Germans. And the thing that's like... I, like I have discovered just in the Germans that I have known in my life is that even the least German German is still fucking German. Like, like they're still hella German. Um, and so I dated a, a German girl for about two and a half years, and she was like German light. But that's still like incredibly German. And then it extends to the family and like the way that they do things. And it's all sort of like very regimented and this happens at this time. And one of the traditions that this family liked to do was that they liked to go for a Sunday afternoon walk. And it was to the dog 
sort of section, walking section of Amarantia, and it always happened at the same time on a Sunday afternoon, and they always went to the same place, and you know, the same people went on, it was all very nice, and it was all very pleasant, and we all walked, and it was all like lovely. And because I was now the boyfriend of uh, this particular girl, I was, ex like an invitation was extended to me to join these Sunday afternoon walks. So that's where the whole thing starts. The other thing that I need to say is that I am, let's call it like, a shy pooer. I don't like to poo in places that I don't know where anyone has ever gone ever before. I have driven across Johannesburg to poo in my own house rather than do it somewhere else. It's, I mean, like, the world is basically divided into two types of people. People that don't mind taking a shit anywhere. <laughs> and, like, and I don't understand you motherfuckers, by the way. Like, I really don't. And people like me who will literally, like, fucking drive, beaded sweat. No, must get home. I spent the first three months of lockdown in a 45-square-meter flat, a flat smaller than this room with two other people. I would wake up at 3.30 in the morning just to go to the loo so that no one else was around. <laughs> Right, anyway, so added to that, I have a little bit of irritable bile syndrome, and what that means is, is that if you eat anything that might, like, annoy your gut in any way, it, like, becomes a problem. And one of those problematic things is chili. I love chili. Like, I fucking think that chili is one of the great gifts that has been bestowed to humanity. But without fail, and that's specific types of chili, like six to eight hours later, like, my body wants to expel waste in a forceful manner. It doesn't want to just kind of like have a poo. It wants to violently get rid of it in a way that like is undeniable. You cannot stop it. Like if a chili boo is coming, it's like your body goes like, hey guy, like this is going to happen. Like it's going to happen in a way that you don't, is it too loud? All right. It's going to happen in a way that you cannot stop. Like you can't. And you try and like your body is trained to stop it. Right? No worries. All right. Your body is trained to stop it, and you'll try, and you'll clench every muscle, you'll like hold yourself in, and like it'll come like a wave, and then it'll, it'll be like, okay, you won this round. Five minutes, it's coming again, and this time I'm bringing back up, and it's worse. And so like that's what happens. And so normally what, like, if I'm gonna have chili, it'll happen like in an evening. And there's a particular place, the Red Chamber in Hyde Park, and they give these big fat chunks of red chili, which are amazing. And I'll be like, mmm, delicious. And it's the next morning, I'll always know, like in my head, I have to plan. Don't have any like first thing in the morning meetings. Like don't like do don't meet people face to face at eight o'clock in the morning. Because you know that like I know that I'm gonna wake up in the morning and around about half past eight, mm, this thing is gonna happen and I need to be somewhere like safe and secure for that like to, to like go down. Um, except in this particular Sunday afternoon, I had dangerously, dangerously miscalculated. I had gone to lunch and I had not thought that there was going to be a Sunday afternoon walk six hours later. And I had tucked into a bowl of green chili with absolute like wild abandon. Yum, 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 yum. 
And now, it's six hours later, and I get a phone call. Hey, it's Sunday afternoon walk time. And I'm like, oh, shit. Literally. And so it's like, oh, you can't say, oh, I'm not coming this time because German, because regular, because this is what happens. And so it's like, well, maybe this time it'll be different. Maybe this time it won't happen the way that it happens every single fucking time. And so I arrive in my car and we meet everyone. The sweet apple-cheeked mom is there. The sister is there. The sister's boyfriend is there. The granddad is there. Like we're on, like there's nine of us going on our Sunday afternoon walk. So we go in, everything's fine, and, you, and it's like the, the, the dog park at Emerentia has got that little stream, and you kind of cross the bridge, and you're going off to the far end, you know, by Mark's Park, and, we, and everything's like going fine, and we cross the bridge of the water, which means that you're like, you're in now, like you're there, you're walking, like you're, you're far away from the park, car park. And it strikes. The feeling that this chili poo is coming, and there is no way to stop it. But now, like, we're on the walk. People are walking their dogs, there's Alshade stations everywhere, there's, like us, we're like there, everything is, everything is happening. Like, it's, like, there's no way to, to, to be discreet or to run away or to act. Sorry. Um, like, there's no way, like, I'm locked in. But now this is coming. There's no, it's like birth. It's like contractions. Like there's no way to stop it. And so my mind is racing. I have to get out of this. Like there's no way like I can continue to, to do this. But I also don't want to say to this array of German people, sorry guys, I have to abandon this Sunday afternoon walk because I need to go take a shit. <laughs> so at the time I was working quite like like relentlessly on a whole bunch of film projects. And my producer, it was like accepted that my producer got hold of me at regular occasions to like do a thing. So I was like, okay, there's a precedent that's been established here. So secretly, I text my producer in my pocket to be like, Liz, just call me. Call me now. Call me as soon as you possibly can. Don't want to know why. Just call me. Thank God she saw the message. She calls me. Huh. And I literally fake an entire conversation with her saying, and like, where I'm like, oh, you need me to come and make amendments to my treatment right now? Oh, no. Literally as theatrical and as terrible as that. Um, and so like, I have this like, ostensible, like, terrible phone call to be like, oh, no, sorry, guys. I need to get back to the office to make this emergency change to my treatment immediately. And I was like, what? And abandon Zivok? I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry. I've been looking forward to this the entire week. I'm so sorry to not be on this walk with you. I have to go. And I turned, and I absolutely just got the fuck out of there. But now you're fast walking in this way where you, like, your muscles are contracting, your whole body is shaking, waves of sweat and kind of clenching are happening. And it is touch and go as to whether or not I'm even going to make it to my car. And I get to the car, and people are kind of like trying to sell beaded curtains or like little kind of things. It's like, no, fuck off, get away, get away. <laughs> and you get into your car. But now I'm doing incredible trigonometry in my brain. Where can I get to? Because I know that I am not going to make it to my house. 
There is no way I'm going to make it to my house. So now my brain is triangulating every possible toilet within like immediate proximity that is acceptable to me to be able to have this unearthly experience. And my mind goes, ah, it's a Sunday afternoon. Just like within immediate striking distance is the bamboo center by service station. And it's got those two little bathrooms outside. And I'm like, oh, make it there. I can fucking make it. And I'm driving and the waves are coming and this like and like I like I'm like fighting them off like it's D-Day. And I fucking get in there. I fucking pull in and a pile of fucking crunching gravel. I'm lurching out of my car and like all I'm thinking is like, oh, fuck, please let no one be in there. And I stagger in, like burst through the fucking toilet like Jack Nicholson in The Shining. Yes, fucking chili poo. And I stagger like, thank God it's empty. Fucking burst into a stall and absolutely fucking devastate that toilet. I'm not even joking. Like it is a fucking crime scene in there. But it is the most relief I've ever experienced in my entire life. And like, I am beside myself with joy that everything has worked out like it should. And I stand up and I'm like shaking and, I'm like, and I look back and it's awful, but it's fine. And I push the lever to flush the toilet and it doesn't flush. And I just left it. <laughs> and I was like, I'm sorry for whoever comes in here. This is just what is going to be here to greet you. And so whoever it was who went into that toilet stall after me, they were in the wrong place at the right time. <laughs> Thank you. Um, there are a bunch of amazing storytellers who are going to come after me. And the next one is, the, it's her first time. <laughs> and we're basically moving from the sublime, to the, from the ridiculous to the sublime. Uh, because Tessa's story this evening is called Wax On, Wax Off. Um, that was amazing, Jono. Thank you. Um, I don't even have anything to follow that up with. I was trying to think of something witty about poo, and I just, <laughs> except for who flung dung, I got nothing. Um, yes, wax on, wax off. Um, let's hope I can pull this off, unlike the people in my story. I'm just a nice, soft, cuddly person. How about now? How about now? No? Okay. Um, so, technically my story is about the right place and the right time, but then it all goes wrong, so let's get into it. Um, a few years ago, I uh, had an ex, <laughs> so did everyone. Um, my ex-boyfriend and I decided to get a little, spice things up a little, you know, just, you know, what's happening. Um, and at the time, I had other methods of um, taming the main down there, down, downstairs main. And then I decided, you know, now's a good time to try new things. Let's go for a Hollywood wax, which, if you don't know, is 
earthing back and how's that? And then also, and then also here. <laughs> um, yeah. So look, in retrospect, it honestly would have been easier to spice things up by throwing some curry powder in my bits and call it a day. But that's not what happened. I made an appointment. I did the right thing. I went to the right place. I arrived on time. Probably not because I'm always late. Um, got there and there was this really sweet, shy, demure lady and she had a badge on that said trainee, which, you know, should have been my first red flag. But, you know, we all have to practice our train and we all start somewhere and we're all young. So I was like, oh, this is fine. We'll, we'll give her a chance. You know, it's chill. And she takes me to the little tiny boxy room that they have in beauty salons and um, she says to me, you know, lie in bed, get comfortable, get scared from the waist down, which you do, except the bed's covered in this like see-through plastic sheet. And I was like, mm, that's second red flag. Um, <laughs> and this is like PC, which I'm now calling pre-COVID, because there's like AD and then there's BC in, you know, periods of time. And then there's PC, which is like a whole era in one year. So I just feel like that's going to stick. I'm making it stick. Pre-COVID, PC. Um, so I, <laughs> I get on the bed, and then she comes like a timid little dormouse. Are you ready? <laughs> just there. You know how it is. It's never, it's never happened before. <clears throat> um, I kind of know what was happening down there. Shame. I feel sorry for her, actually. Uh, <laughs> and then she moves your legs into positions. You're like, hey, Kama Sutra. And then she gets one of those like lollipop stick tongue depressor things, and she takes the hot wax, and she depresses it onto my thigh. And there's that moment where it's between plain, pain and pleasure. And you're like, hey, girl, how's that? I was about to ask her for a number when I realized she probably moonlights as a dominatrix in a sex club because what other kind of person except a sadist would do that to my thigh as she yanks it off. And I'm like, oh, it's chilled. I can get used to this. This is fine. It's fine. Everything's fine. I'm just going to lie there. Thing is, I have quite thick hair on my head and that apparently translates to thick hair down there and I do care about that because she was going from the outside in which is all fine and well, except you're, okay. And then the wax comes and you're like, <laughs> that's awfully warm. Um, <laughs> still on that like weird, is this pleasurable? How are we feeling about this? And then she leaves it for the few seconds that it's supposed to dry. And then she tries, she tries she tries to tug it off, but it's a little bit like a chode, you know, when you tug a chode and then just nothing happens. And you just, how's it? And then I'm now, it's like an hour in, guys. I'm like sweating. I'm stuck to this fucking plastic sheet. I don't know what's happening. The sweat's not helping the wax situation. She's throwing the talcum powder there like it's fucking cocaine at an advertising agency's Christmas party. Just, there's a lot happening. Then she puts more wax on top of the wax with the talcum powder. I'm like, what is going on? <sighs> anyway, at this point, there's blood, there's sweat, there's tears. Not, my, not mine, hers, mostly hers. But I, I'm just trying to breathe like a fucking Lamar's glass. Like, 
I'm fine. Everything's fine. I'm trying to still be nice to her because she's not a trainee. And then she goes to get her assistant ethistician, which is quite a mouthful. So then this other woman comes, and I'm like, no, it's, it's chilled. She can help. Then the woman goes out again to get her manageress. Now there are three people in this tiny little boxy hot room staring at bits of me that I can only see with a mirror. And I'm just like, I mean, anything to make this better. Please, please, please help me. So the thing about wax, so here's a life hack. When you have sticky tape residue on something, you use more sticky tape to pull it off, okay? It does not work with wax, okay? Then she goes and sticks her little lollipop stick back in the fucking cauldron of hot lava and doom. Puts more on. And the wax starts flying out like little strings, I don't know, just flying around the room now. She's blowing on it. It's about as effective as farting in the wind at this point. It's just nothing's going to work. And she, she keeps putting more on, and these little tendrils are going everywhere. I feel like I'm in, like, in an episode of The Great British Bake Off. It's like sponge sugar, but it's like I'm in hell, and Lucifer's judging it. I don't know what's happening. Just lying there. And then eventually someone makes the wise decision to get scissors. And now I'm really concerned that my fun bits are no longer going to be that much fun. And I'm going to have to like become a nun or something. I don't know. I'm just like, is, is, this, is this where we're going with this? Are you sure? Anyway, 30 minutes later, I eventually get free from my waxy hell. And the worst fucking part is I paid. I paid for that shit. I paid for that torture. I might as well have been in a sex club. I'd rather be spanked than have that shit happen in the front. Anyway. <laughs> Um, I'm clearly a sucker for punishment because once, this is a side story, once in Hong Kong I went to get my hair highlighted, it's natural now, <laughs> just so we all know, uh, but at the time I went to get highlights and I went to a local salon and they bleached my hair so badly that I had like blue streaks from the peroxide and I still paid for that, so you must know. Anyway, um... I have a friend, this is also another side story, but kind of related. I have a friend who's an amputee, and he says that he can always feel like his arm's still there. And this story kind of just brings back that phantom pain of whatever was happening here. So I limp home like a wounded soldier. I'm just like, oh, I was chilled. I get home, and I'm like, I don't know what to do. Like, I don't, like, everything is sticking. I'm not even wearing underwear at this point. I'm like, ah, this is dressed flapping in the breeze here. Um, and then I open the freezer. Let's just say I've never looked at a bag of frozen peas the same again. Oh, girl. So good. Um, so that's my story. You'll be happy to know I have now found the right place. I often get there at the wrong time, but that's just on me because I'm terrible. So, yes, and that's how it is. And scene. Um, the next speaker is Pomlani, welcome, and his story is called Out of Time.
Um, cool. Hi, guys. It's kind of really hard to follow a story about shit and then... Yeah, and then dynamite waxing. What is a Hollywood wax? It's kind of... Yeah, okay. Ooh, how do you follow that up? That's, that's really... <laughs> those are really great stories. There's the Jackson Pollock and then there's what I imagine that... The hairy version after that. Um... But anyway, I, uh, I'm going to talk about time, I guess, being at the wrong place at the right time. And it's going to sound like I'm talking about something bleak, which kind of is, because like, I suffer from depression and anxiety. And, but then the story is going to be a little bit fun, I think, um, only because I do an impression of my friend. Um, so yeah, the story is called Out of Time. And it comes from my time in a psychiatric clinic. Uh, and I was undergoing treatment for depression and anxiety. And I mean, it's not unlike this year. Everybody's kind of like isolated, cut off from the world, and just kind of feeling really shit about themselves, except I had therapists who cared about me. So sorry, guys. Um, so that what was cool about that was like I actually got to spend qualitative time with different people. So people would come and visit me and I'd actually get to spend qualitative time without like having to like rely on a very good friend um, to have good conversation. Yes, this guys, you didn't pick up? No? Okay. Um, no beer jokes in the bar, I guess. Um, so what was cool was that it was like this revolving door of people coming through to visit you and like, hey dude, what's up? I'm sad. Cool. Let me hug you. Um, and it was, it was like a really, really, really dope time because you never really get to have that kind of one-on-one -on -one contact with people unless you like actually design it around your social calendar to do so. So I was kind of doing that and then I had a homie who promised that he was gonna come and take my two-hour slot um, that's allocated to people like for you having visitors. Did this nigga not decide to miss the cow drain coming from Pretoria, right? And there's only two hours. So that means that there's probably a 30-minute interval after that, and then he still has to make the mission to come all the way to the clinic so that we can sit down and chat. Anyway, having a really bleak evening, just going on Facebook and just finding people I control um, because that's a healthy coping mechanism to be living with depression and anxiety, and you internet troll will know that. Um, find us in the comment section. YouTube, baby, what's up? So... I was doing that and I was like just really resigned to the fact that like fuck I'm not gonna see my friend and like I'd really really wanted to fucking see him because there's there's something about being in a place that allows you to be as vulnerable as what you need to be at that point in time and not have to lie and put up a facade about it right so when people sort of enter that space they kind of have like a very broad understanding of that of that energy and it takes a lot for that to happen because you have to have like a very, very honest sort of confrontation with the idea that life is primarily shit and we're window dressing it most of the time. And so to break through that threshold is, I don't know, it's, it's something really close to communion. Um, and I, I just dig that idea. So there's my little bit, bit of propaganda. Go to therapy. Love you too, Kitsy. So, I'm like chilling in my room, I've resigned myself, I'm listening to Chance the Rapper, um, after, and you know, the Chance the Rapper got, 
gospel album coloring book, which, you know, at least you got the Grammy for it, if you're going to go that hard for the Lord. Um, so it's cool, so I'm like, I'm like over it, I'm like just like bitching to my girlfriend, just being like, oh, I can't believe this motherfucker can't trust niggas, why did I put so much faith in a nigga, like, I thought this dude was going to come through, I thought he actually meant it. And then, like, while I'm busy complaining, he calls and he's like, yo, I'm downstairs. We've got 20 minutes to catch up. All right, cool. Go downstairs. Have a really, really beautiful conversation. We both cry. Like, we have an exchange. I've known the nigga 21 years. So it's like a really, really beautiful moment of, like, going through our childhoods and, like, actually understanding how our coping mechanisms actually just mean suppressing our trauma and all of that. And especially as males, like, especially as closet males, like, you have to, like, decide, like, you know, you need to put on this, like, fa like brave face of bravado. You have to play rugby because that's what closet people do. See colisi, that's my nigga. Yay, yay. I don't know if I'm happy about this. <laughs> I don't know if I should ever celebrate the Eastern Cape. Um, or if the Eastern Cape should be celebrated. I love that place. So anyway, 20 minutes wraps up, really flies by really fast. My dude is about to leave. And as he's about to leave, he's just like, oh shit, I forgot. Like, I found this watch on the train. And I'm like, there's a lost and found at the Gao train. <laughs> you could have taken it there. And he's like, nah, 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 you gotta listen, right? So I'm chilling there and I'm just like fucking, freaking out because I'm going to be late, right? I'm going to be late. I'm like, I'm needing to meet my nigga Scout and I'm not going to make it in time. So like, fine, eventually, Drain pulls up, sweet, find a parking spot, sweet, sit on something, can't feel, then turn around, fuck, it's this watch. So this is for you, my nigga. Now we could get into theft as black people. Or we could be optimistic about this shit. Which is to say that at a time when I thought I had run out of time, my friend literally came to gift me with it. Thanks, guys. Uh, we're just going to have a quick 15-minute break, and then we'll get on to the, 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 the second round. So see you back in 15 minutes. We're back. We're back. Okay. Everybody. Yatin, don't leave. Back to your chair, young gentleman. Um, so, Yatin, let me tell you a quick story about Yatin. So, Yatin has two puppies recently a, a what is it a chocolate lab that he ordered off of gumtree or something i don't know it's a very special breed olx and then he also at the same time decided to get a great dane puppy and now he's like that ocd helicopter dad who's terrified that his puppies are ripping up home but i think they'll be fine they'll be okay they'll be fine All right, uh, cool, so we're on to uh, the second half of this evening. 
And I want to start with a story that is possibly not true. It's really not a personal story either. I actually stole it from um, a guy who told me this story when I was in Bhutan. Really long story. Anyway, Buddhist guy. Um, and he tells this story about two frogs. And it's one of my favorite stories I think I've ever heard. And it goes like this. There was a frog in a well, and this frog had lived in this well for its whole entire life. It had only seen the slimy, dingy walls of the place that it lived in. And one particular day, this frog in the well was visited by a frog from the ocean. And this frog from the ocean hopped along and found this frog in the well and was like, hey dude, what's going on down there? And he's like, well, you know, this is just my place. This is how I live. This is my, yeah, my home. So he's like, where are you from? So he's like, well, I'm, I'm actually from the ocean. And he's like, the what? He's like, well, yeah, the, the ocean. It's, it's this huge expanse of water. And he's like, but like, you're like, like bigger than like the well of water? And he's like, yeah, like much bigger. It's like, but like how big? Like, like a little bit bigger than the well? And he's like, no, dude, it's like, it's huge. Like, you, like it's huge. There's not even... So the frog in the well is like, well, geez, man. Like, I really, I really got to see this for myself. I, uh. So the two frogs set off together. And when the frog from the well saw the ocean for the first time, it was so mind-blowing that his brain exploded. And that's the end of that story. And I love that story. I love it because it's just, it's so telling and so perfect about the nature of story. Because I think the first thing is that a story should be able to either blow your mind um, or it should be able to change it in some particular way. And I think that is the purpose of storytelling, right? Like, why, what is a story? Why do we even tell these things? Um, so, yeah, I, I feel like these, <laughs> we need to keep telling stories. And so we will continue. And we're going to have our minds blown, not so uh, uh, violently, I hope, but yes, we will. Um, and so first up, we have Tsaba. That's you, guys. It's you. It's you. Uh, Shit. Uh, hi guys. Um, I, knowing a story and telling a story is another thing, but I'll try. Um, 2013, I was from A-Class Studios, um, walking from A-Class to pre-rank. I don't have a car, I walk. Till today, I'm still walking. Um, Okay, um, I was having a, a script writing session with other guys who were writing a movie called Vaya Wara Wara Wara. Have my bag, my laptop, my phones, whatever, pens and stuff. Uh, when you're passing Enoch uh, Sontonga Drive by the cemetery there, for me it's a right place. You know, no one can mark you there, lots of students and stuff. But in that day, I was alone in that street and then walking alone thinking, oh, 
I am a great writer, you know. <laughs> My film gonna sell, I'll be a star, whatever, whatever. Oh, shit, I'll meet Clint Eastwood, whatever shit happens in the film world. And then I was working with my friend, my daughter. I was big, big, big. And then my friend, he was a little bit skinny. And then here comes five guys from the cemetery. And then he says to me, run. <laughs> Running forward, shit, man, I can't run. <laughs> you can see. <laughs> 12 packs, man. I say, run. They are coming to mark us. I said, no, man, those guys are innocent. They're sleeping there. And then these five guys, they pull out old nine millimeter parabellum gun with their accent of English. Hey, my Buddha, you give us or we blow your ass. Where I'm coming from, an ass is a donkey. I say, oh, man, yes, I know I am from the country, but I don't have any donkeys. I say, we're going to blow your ass. And then my friend, he's long gone <laughs> across the street. And then they took my bag, and then there was this uh, little shit guy, like, what can, why we can't take this guy to the cemetery? I said, fuck. I said, guys, don't kill me. I only have 10 rents from town to Diploof. I'm not a millionaire, I'm just a poor guy. I say, yeah, we like poor people because they put their money in their socks and stuff. They took me to a cemetery and then they found my laptop my staff, my staff and my other staff, my pants and stuff. Okay, shit, take anything, man. And then this little shit say, I, I need your, your pants. I say, ah, oh, I saw a, a hurt man. <laughs> Just take anything, not my pants. <laughs> I said, I need your jeans, man, they look new. I said, oh, man, this old shit, man. <laughs> and then I took my belt, I pulled down. I'm not an underwear guy. <laughs> I, I don't like that shit because it's, it's squeezing my, my balls. And, and then the, the little shit like, you small. I say, no, I'm an old man. I say, you small. In that time, I couldn't see my thing. <laughs> yeah, guys, you can laugh, but... <laughs> <laughs> when a child disrespecting an old man, and then he pulled out his thing, I say, let's play I made our games, and then we made our things. Say, oh, man, we already said they're small. Leave me alone. How can you be small like this? And me, I made a child. I say, I don't know. And my friend, 
he stand in the Saba. Fight. You always say you fight. <laughs> Watching a move and then seeing John Doe fighting people and then it's another thing when you're supposed to do it. And then they run after my friend and my friend gone. They took my pants and then because I'm an artist, I say, okay, I'll improvise. I'll take my T-shirt and then I'll wear it. And then other guys say, I, I like your T-shirt. <laughs> I say, ah, gents, uh, brother from another mother. Uh, we are Africans, man. I can't do this. I say, yeah, but I need your T-shirt. And then, they took my T-shirt, hairy stomach, big and stuff. Um, what made me to shit my pants is when they point their gun in my marble sack. I just got a call, my uncle just passed on, and then now it is a gun point. Now I don't have my pants. I have stripped naked. I say, okay, if it's the time to follow my uncle, okay, it's the time. But now, whenever I get a chance, I'll run naked. I won't follow my uncle. And then, by the grace of shit, I ran away. And then they were laughing like, ah, you can't go to Johannesburg like that. <laughs> Come back and take your pants. Oh, we were joking. <laughs> now I'm in between. Is a joke I must go or is a joke I must... Hey, come, brother man. Ah, oh, man, bamba, class, oh, man, come. And then my friend, he's standing there trying to call police. And then, you know, South African police, they don't give a shit about us. And then, we, and then they just left with my things and then leave me in the cemetery. And then here comes the people who are maintaining the cemetery. <laughs> hey! What the fuck? <laughs> they can say whatever they say. Are you fucking Mary here or who? Rebecca or say I got mugged? By whom? By those guys. Ah, those guys, they're not mugging anyone. They're sleeping at their church somewhere. Those are the good guys, we know them. They're going for a soup kitchen. Some, I say, soup kitchen my ass, because now my ass is here. <laughs> Shit. And then one old man who's maintaining, uh, he, he said, OK, I have something in a plastic, uh, plastic bag. They gave me an old overall, greasy overall. Greece overall. I respect because there are people eating in the house. Greece, if you understand Greece, 
So, but there's a crease and uh, so if you want to go to home, you have to wear my overall. So, fuck. When last did you wipe your backside? Then my daughter like, take the thing and then go home. <laughs> and then I took the overall, put it in, and then meeting people you know in town. Tsaba. What's going on? I know, man, you know, here in the metro pass, I got some pistol where I wipe some engines and stuff, but you stings. I say I got marked. And then when I got home, and my auntie like, who are you? I say, yeah, it's, it's Saba. Saba who? I'll back and come on now. Where did you get that? I got marked. So in my head, it was like, okay, yes, symmetry is a, a dead one's own. I don't care. But these motherfuckers, it was their right time to take my pants. Um, I think I'll say it right. Nas, with a story called... Not yet. A story called Sky Pond. <laughs> All right, I think I'll have a round of applause, guys, please. Come on. Come on. That was amazing, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm also really glad you were on between me and Pumlani. Pumlani's birthday and my birthday are literally like the day, his is the day before mine, mine's the day after his. Every other time that we need to... <laughs> Thank you very much, sorry. I can't hear me, can you hear me? No? I'm speaking, I'm speaking. It'll happen at any moment now. Ah, this is, me get louder? I gotta get louder? Okay, sorry, hold on, hold on. I'll try, I'll try my best, I'll try my best. All right, can you guys hear me? Is this what's happening? Can, louder? Ricky, I think they're talking to you, not me. All right, he's going, he's going for it. It's gonna happen, I hope. There we go. I sound louder already, okay. All right, there we go, okay. Okay, good. Stop peeking, stop peeking, okay. I hear that a lot, actually, weirdly. Don't know what it means every single time. Crackle, crackle, crackle. Sorry, guys. I'm not good for an audio medium, ironically enough. Starting a podcast next month, by the way. Um, all right, yeah, like I said, Bomani's uh, and my birthday's are back-to-back. His story was about being depressed. My story's about being depressed. So I'm really glad there was a break in the middle about getting stripped completely naked in a graveyard. That's not depressing. All right? Um, Okay, <clears throat> so I remember I read this story one time, about 2009, 2010, somewhere around there, and uh, the story was titled, I hate, I hate myself and I want to die. I remember reading that, it was by one of my favorite authors, and I, like, it just stuck with me, that phrasing. I didn't feel like that, I didn't feel that depressed. I didn't feel like I hate myself and I want to die, but the problem is, when you read something, when you read something in a story, when you see it in a movie, when you hear it said by your friends over and over and over, you know who you are, 
Sometimes you end up in a situation where you find yourself, uh, you know, that kind of enters your mind like programming, and you think, maybe I do hate myself, maybe I do want to die. And all it takes is like for you to hit the right wrong, the wrong moment, that one moment in time when you're just like, wait a second, maybe this is the moment where I might actually want to die. Maybe I actually might hate myself that much. So there I was, it was 2016, I think, if I'm not mistaken, late 2016. And I'm lying on my bed in my apartment, and I'm having probably the greatest spell of depression I've ever had in my entire fucking life. Now, I've had many spells of depression, but when you're young, you're lucky enough to not know it's called depression, so you think you're just sad? Like, you're just like, ah, oh, I'm just kind of bummed out, it's fine, you know, ah, it'll, it'll be fine next time, I'll just go out and drink. Uh, like, you know, like, I'll try some drugs that I've never tried before, it could get better. And then you get sad afterwards, you're like, it's fine. It's just the drugs, right? Like, it's not depression, right? But now you find yourself in a situation where you're like completely sober, right? and you've been sober for like maybe two, three months, in my case, and that, at that point, you're sober, you haven't had anything, and you're lying on your bed, it's the middle of the fucking afternoon, you're thinking to yourself, man, I hate myself and I wanna die. Now, the lucky thing about the situation I found myself in when I thought this was, I live really high up. Right? Like, and the funny thing is, like, I chose to live really high up because I, like, always said when people ask me, why do you live in fucking town in, like, a fucking bull? I was like, man, I really like to live high up. What are you going to do? Now I finally knew why. Lying on that bed that day, looking at that window, like, staring out into the fucking city, looking towards Bromfontein, thinking to myself, it's beautiful out there. I could jump. <laughs> now... I remember I had somebody over fairly recently, actually. I can't remember who this was. This happens sometimes, you know, we live hard. And um, somebody came over and they opened the windows and they went, oh, no burglar bars. Like, that was the first thing they said. This was like fucking four nights ago. Somebody was like, oh, no burglar bars. Why would I have burglar bars on the fucking 12th floor of an apartment building? Guys, if somebody breaks into your apartment on the 12th floor through the window, they fucking deserve to rob you. That's fucking Catwoman. Right? Like, praise to her. She can fucking have anything she wants. <clears throat> anyway. So there I am, depressed. I hate myself. I want to die. I've got no burglar bars, as was pointed out. And I think to myself, this is easy. All I have to do is move this plant aside in its little plastic container. Didn't put it in a nice pot. Open the window and, like, and go for it. And I just fucking just go for it. I know. Sorry, guys. It's real depressing. But you just got to go with it, you know? Sometimes these things happen to people like us. Writers, Jesus Christ. Anyway, so I open the window, all right? And it's nice. It's big. It's a big, wide window. Ask anybody who's been to my apartment. Only one of these people has been to my apartment. Anyway, all right? Open the window, and I'm like, okay, cool. It's time. It's going to happen, all right? But first, I have to note, it's a good time of day, just so you guys know. It's a really good time of day, all right? It's that time of day where it's not sunset, where everything's like fucking bright orange, and you like, you actually wouldn't want to kill yourself because it's too bright. Like, like, the lights are right in your eyes. You're like, ah, I don't know about this fucking, like, I don't want to see this as I go down. Like, I don't want to see spots, you know? I want to see the ground, right? Like, so you're like, okay, wait, no, 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 that's not going to work. This was like that time of day just before it gets too orange. That crisp light where like the, like the, like the orange lights like outlining the clouds. And Joburg is great. This was summer. It's probably around this time of year, 2016, if I think about it. The great thing about summer in Joburg is the clouds, they're always these big, full clouds, like looking at giant, graceful animals, you know, just crawling across the sky. It's like God's written down something there in the sky for you to fucking like, you're just like, wow, that's fuck, that's, that's nice. I could jump to this, right? Like, this is good. It's like, you know, like, I wasn't putting on any music in the background, but if I could have, I would have, right? This wasn't on my mind at the time. 
Anyway, so I open up the window. Now I've seen the beautiful clouds. It's a good time of day. And I'm like, okay, cool. Scale yourself up onto the fucking like, ledge. You gotta do this thing, right? It's not that high, but you need like a bit of a step up. Luckily, I kept the table right there, not for this purpose, for smoking. But like, you know, it was right there. Cleared the ashtray off, got on the table, got on the windowsill. Have you guys ever seen Forrest Gump? Yeah, yeah, you know that scene where like Jenny's about to kill herself and she's on like the fucking balcony and Leonard Skinner is playing like Freebird in the background. It's like really fucking like epic. It's probably one of the best pieces of directing Robert Zemeckis has ever done. And like you like except she's doing it in heels, which I must say, by the way, is just the fucking craziest idea I've ever heard. Anyone trying to kill themselves in heels then decides, wait, maybe I should stop and manages to get back down. Fucking women truly are the greatest half of the species. I'm sorry. Robin Wright Penn, you fucking savior, you're amazing. Anyway, so there I am, I'm on the ledge, right? And now, just to explain something about my building, this gives you context. This is important context for suicide from this particular building. Most buildings in Joburg, standard building, square or rectangular, right? Like, you understand that, very easy to understand. Joburg has great architecture, but it's mostly facade work, you know? It's like, on the outside, it's pretty, on the inside, it's fine, right? Like. My building, I'm lucky, right? I chose the right kind of building. If you looked at it from above, I think it would be like an X shape, like slightly smaller tails, but like it's an X shape, right? So there I am, I'm looking out the window, and I can see like this wall of the X shape, you know, like on this side. I can see this part of it, like sticking out that way. And the other thing was I had a girlfriend, an ex-girlfriend, not the one that caused me to be depressed. Actually, the one after that was the one that caused me to be depressed. But the ex-girlfriend lived above me on like the 13th floor. And she had this balcony. I don't consider her an ex-girlfriend, but she once told me that I broke up with her, so I guess ex-girlfriend. Anyway, right? So like there I am, and I can see the edge of her balcony from my window, right? And I look up to her balcony. And no, she's not standing there, you fucking guys are like, you guys are all like, oh my god, and there she was, right? Like, no. Like, I look up, and what's happening is, now, the building's pretty rough on that side of the building. I don't live on that side of the building anymore. I don't want to die when it all collapses from damp. I live on the other side, but, like, it's pretty, like, fucked up. The paintwork's all fucked. It's got lots of cracks in it. It's like the concrete's rotting. It's all gonna, it's gonna go to shit. It's gonna, it's gonna be a bad time one day, right? But like, there's all these like, cracks running up towards the edge of that balcony, and I see those cracks running up towards the edge of the balcony. Something makes me trace that line, you know, the writer in me, the artist in me, whatever. I'm tracing that line, and I get up to the edge of the balcony, and there at the edge of the balcony, sprouting up against the background of the clouds, right, is this little green plant, right? Like, it's just, I mean, they're all green, right? Like, I don't know, I don't know plants, but like, like this little, little, little plant, like, like straight up, beautiful leaves coming out of it, right? Like, and I look at it and like, wow, okay, there it is, right? But it's growing out of the concrete, it's growing out of the actual edge of the balcony on this side. Now, I'll tell you two things about that apartment, having been with somebody who was like, you know, living right there. Um, one, she didn't live on that side of the apartment. So let me tell you, more run downside, definitely this side. I love her ex-roommate, probably one of my best friends. Not good with plants. Right? There were no plants growing on that side of the building. She wasn't like growing it in a pot or something. This was out of the concrete. This was through the paint. Right? And the other thing is, actually, I don't know what the other thing was. Never mind. Whatever. <laughs> anyway, so there I find myself. I'm staring up at this plant. And it's not just that it's a green plant with these leaves flowing out of it. It's got this like beautiful little pink flower coming off it. It's not huge. It's tiny. Don't imagine the best plant you've ever seen in your whole life. What it actually was, guys, was a weed. Not weed, a weed, right? And I thought to myself, as I'm standing there on this ledge, on this fucking like windowsill, holding like Jenny and fucking Forrest Gump, I look at this plant and I think to myself, man, that's, that's crazy, how did that get there? Right? And I'm like, 
12 floors, guys, 13 in her case. There shouldn't be a 13th floor, but there was one. My ex-girlfriend lived there. I don't know what you want to read into that. Read into it what you will, <laughs> right? But like, I look up, and there's this fucking plant, this fucking flower, this little beautiful pink flower, this green fucking stem, the leaves sprouting out, the beautiful cloud backdrop, like the language of God, that orange glow tickling the fucking sides of the clouds, and I think to myself, fuck, how did that fucking plant get up there? How did it get up fucking 13 floors? That's crazy. Now, I know, yeah, probably possible, but not something you think happens, not something you even see often looking out your window in town, right? And I think that is... That is beautiful. That is one of the most beautiful things I think I might have ever seen. And in that moment, <laughs> I suddenly realized, it occurs to me that if I can see beauty in that thing, if that's beautiful to me, well, wait, maybe, maybe, maybe the world isn't so bad. But more than that, because like, I mean, the world not being bad is not a good excuse to not kill yourself. Let me tell you, it's half bad, half good, right? Like, but. The real thing, the real thing was, was that I looked at it. The real thing was that I looked at it, and I thought, well, if there's beauty in that to me, there must be beauty in me. Because if I can see the beauty in that, it's because I can see the beauty in me. And in that moment, I was like, man. <laughs> thank you. In that moment, I was like, man, like, if you can still see beauty in you, forget about that, <laughs> right? Like, you probably shouldn't throw yourself out this window right now. Maybe later, right? Like, but not now. And I like climbed down much more gracefully than Jenny because I didn't have to do it in heels. I was barefoot. I had good grip. These are good feet. And, and I scaled down and I closed that window and I put the blonde back where it needed to go. And I climbed back on the bed and I cried a lot about whoever had hurt me at that point in my life. And I felt pretty good and I'm still standing here afterwards. And I think, it's, <laughs> I think it's really important to note that I did say to myself at the start of all this, I hate myself and I want to die. And I'm really glad I really... Any moment now. There we go. And I am really glad that I read the lines, I hate myself and I want to die in a story at some point in my life because it allowed me to understand that it's okay to feel like that sometimes. Acknowledge it to yourself, accept it, deal with it, like live it, even if you get right to the fucking windowsill. And then maybe remind yourself that like, you just lived that feeling and the next feeling can kind of come through you. And the next feeling was a shit feeling, but it wasn't the shittest feeling in the world. I can handle it. Thank you very much. The, the, next, person, the, next, person, the next person coming up, the last person, um, I mean, we know each other for like a very long time, but we don't know each other. So like, I didn't even, wasn't even sure about how to pronounce your name, you know what I mean? But now I know it's Larry. And Larry asked if I went to St. John's, and my response was, fuck no. So I'm guessing he went to St. John's, but I think we should still respect him and give him a round of applause, regardless of the way he went to school. Everybody, this is Larry for the last story of the evening. I hope you guys enjoy it. Thanks, guys. Thank you very much. Thanks, everybody. All right, all right. Well, Nez, that was a, a very moving story you told us. I'm still, like, trying to process most of it. Yeah, okay, all right, all right. Um, but, uh, well, thanks, everyone, and uh, thanks so much for Tam and Lam for organizing this whole thing. Super cool. Yeah, it's really awesome.
so my story is uh, actually, so there's the story and then there's kind of like what I think it all means or how I'm trying to apply it to my life. Uh, and in a way, um, I'm feeling that, you know, there's a lot of, sometimes in life there's things that kind of snap you out of the air or you kind of take a leap of faith and you don't really know what's going to happen. And, uh, and in a sense... Um, there's a trust, a certain trust in the universe that one needs to have, I guess. Uh, and it, strangely enough, right now I've kind of lost that sense of uh, trust. Um, and I'm like a little bit like down a weird path. But back then I had it and it was strong. And, uh, and, and so the story is, in a nutshell, um, my dad actually won a competition on the radio, on 702 radio station, uh, to, to go to America. Uh, to go all the way to the United States, um, and people like, yeah, I know, United States. <laughs> well, funny enough, I'm a, I was actually completely obsessed by the United States as a kid. I don't know why, uh, but I was totally obsessed. I still am, well, no, no, I'm not still am, but I, I was. And uh, anyway, my dad won a competition on the radio, and uh, people spend their whole lives entering this competition, not this competition, but like to go to this uh, golf tournament. It's basically a golf tournament, as lame as it sounds. It's actually pretty cool. But um, people spend their whole lives entering a lottery because even if you have all the money in the world, you can't pay for a ticket. You have to get, a t you have to get awarded a ticket. And uh, my dad won four tickets for four days. It was the craziest like, gift from the universe that we could have ever asked for. Anyway, so went over there and uh, uh, you know, it was a fantastic experience. And, um, but I, I, I kind of, so after that, I, I just finished studying and I uh, had worked and I wanted to like go and explore America like as a kid, you know, as I wanted to do that since I was a kid. So I, I had this backpack on and I was like cruising out in the underbelly of America, like the most like dodgy, like the most hectic underbelly of America. And I was exploring there and people were trying to like, like you. Speaking to the mic. Oh, sorry about that. Okay, speaking to the microphone. All right. Um, and basically, uh, I, uh, I, was, I was traveling along, and this story, essentially, what I'm trying to say is uh, there's a certain orchestration of timing which happens, uh, like, that you could never coordinate yourself. Like, you know, we, we carry on in our lives, like, every day happens as it does, but every now and again, there's something that happens out of your control. And even if you wanted to do something, you couldn't orchestrate it in the same way. There's like a certain a universal power or a force or something that just like intervenes at a certain moment. And basically what happened to me was uh, I was um, hitchhiking uh, in the middle of nowhere, like the Smoky Mountains National Park or whatever. It's like this beautiful park. And I, I was like hitchhiking along and these guys drove, like, I had my thumb out, and they basically stopped, and it's, I think it's rude to not accept a lift, but as soon as I looked, <laughs> like, as soon as I looked at these people, I was like, how do I get out of this in arrangement, because I don't want anything to do with you at all, like, if you've ever seen, like, the most hillbilly, like, fucked up, like, sorry, 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 like, the most, like, like, just, they were the weirdest people I've ever met in my life. And anyway, they're like, yeah, yeah, we'll give, you, we'll give you a ride in Knoxville. No problem, man. Yeah, it's no problem. I'm like, yeah, yeah shit. Okay, 
all right, I get in, and they're like, stop at this motel. They're like, yeah, we're just going to go take a shower. You know, come up, man. Just come up and join us, man. We're going to have a shower and just chill out, and then we'll take you to Knoxville. I was like, not a, no, thank you. I'll just wait right here. Wait right here. Like three or four or maybe five hours later, they eventually come down to the, like, I was waiting for forever. The sun had gone down. I was like, this is my only trip to Knoxville. I needed, like, go with them. This guy and his girlfriend, the weirdest people ever, they're like, all right, man, let's go, let's go, let's go. Jump in the car. And I was like, this is the day I die right now. Like, this guy was driving 180 kilometers an hour, like, swerving through the trucks like this, like a madman. I don't know if he was trying to impress me or if he was just, like, weird like that or what it was. Anyway, speeding through fucking traffic like this and hillbillies. Can you believe it? And then... Because of that, he missed the turnoff to go to the, the, the Greyhound bus station. So, because I was going to go straight to the bus station, try and leave these people, and uh, went around. And because of that, he missed the turnoff and he went down to the, like, through the city, basically. And it was like Friday evening, and it was such a beautiful vibe, you know? It was like a, it was people like, like drum circles, and there was hippies out, and it was like, these guys are great, you know? Like, like this vibe is awesome. Like, I shouldn't just leave straight away. And luckily, luckily I didn't because where I was going to go, there was like a massive flood going on in like Memphis, Tennessee. There was like flooding like at the, like where I was going to go. So I probably was going to die. So luckily this guy missed the turn off and he went in and he was like, yeah, yeah, come, you should come party with us, man. We're going to party tonight. Like go crazy. I was like, no, thank you. I'm going to catch the bus and I'm going to leave you alone. And uh, basically um, because of that, I, I did manage to leave them. But that moment in time where they missed the turnoff would change everything. It would change the whole course of my life, I think. Because uh, I, was, I was like, you know what? I'm going to check this place out. Sounds kind of cool, kind of vibey. And I went into this bar, and I was just standing at the bar, and I was just chatting to everyone who came next to me. And, uh, and I started talking to all these random people. And then this one person like, chatted to her for ages. And then she said, like, you know what? I think you would really like, get along with my son and my daughter. Like, just come with me. Like, I'm going to show you, like, I'm going to like, introduce you guys. And lo and behold, we got on like a house on fire. And, um, and they were the kindest family I ever did meet in my whole life. They were literally the most generous, beautiful family. They literally like, were like, listen, man, you're a legend. Like, come on in. Like, stay with us. I stayed with them for like a week. They, let me their they gave me their car just to drive around town. They, orga they organized me like, a, like a, a job at this music festival, this beautiful hippie music festival. They were like, yeah, man, take the car. Yeah, it's all good. Like, and they like set me up. They just like, they, they were so kind and so loving. And I realized in that moment that I had no control over that situation. Like, sometimes the universe wants to give you a little treat and you don't know when it's coming. You don't know where it's going to come from. You don't know the person, that, the, the shape or the form that that person takes. But there's a certain symmetry or a certain magic that happens when you just like open up and you just like trust. Uh, and, and you give your like, you give yourself over to it, you know. And like something I've been really struggling with of late is I'm like trying to control everything. Like, like I'm just like analysis paralysis in my mind. And actually, there's a whole world out there that, like, I can't coordinate if I tried. But, but there's so much potential if you just let it in, you know. And I get in my own way. And I think everyone does get in their own way. Like, 
there's a there's a there's a there's a whole magic that we just don't see if we're not quite in that right space of mind. And um, yeah, yeah. So uh, anyway, uh, just to yeah round it off, like they were the most generous people. I mean, when I was leaving, the guy was like, "Hey, man, you're gonna need this. Like when you go, like here's a laptop." He gave me a laptop. He's like, here's an, here's an iPod. I don't need it. Just take that. I'm like, this is the most generous person I've ever met. Like, how are you such a legend? And we went to this. He was like, no, man, you're going to come with me. We're going to go to this music festival, like 100,000 people. Like, it was like this huge music festival. And, they, and, and basically, had I not met that, had he not taken that strange turn at the right, wait, at the right place, right place. Sorry, Tam, I fucked up the brief. <laughs> Had, had that not happened at that moment, nothing would have, like, you know the butterfly effect? You guys have watched that movie, like, where everything happens because of one other thing that happened? And in that moment, I realized to just trust in the universe and trust in, in the magic that's around because, uh, but it's also not that it's all sunshine and rainbows all the time. It's not that at all. It's just that there's, like, a deeper, um, there's, like, a, there's, a, there's a certain, uh, like, there's a certain magic that, 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 that takes certain eyes to see, and it's not like you see that all the time. Like, not at all. Like, in, right now, I feel the total opposite to that. Like, I'm, like, like plucking at, like, shoestrings right now. But then, somehow, I leapt and, um, and was caught. And in a way, I'm trying to remember what that feels like to do that again. So, so this, in a way, is just a story of, like, remembering that a lot of, uh, there's a lot of good people in the world, and just having night like this now thanks to Tam for organizing that like there's people on the same kind of journey and and we, we no one knows what the fuck's going on but we just carry on and 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 every now and again some magic kind of happens thank you Thanks, Larry. I think, I think that's the truest thing that's been said this evening is we, we really don't know what the fuck is going on at all. Um, and that brings us to the end. But there's like a, a, a playing card on the table, which is a gimmicky thing, but I think it's quite cool. Um, basically, it's just a reminder to play the card that you've been dealt with in life. And so if you have a story, the next time, I urge you to please... Phone that number and tell me a story, and we'll see you probably not in December, because I don't know who is even here in December, but definitely 2021? 20, is that the year? 2019 on this. <laughs> but it's all about the wrong place and the wrong year, so it's fine. It all works out. Um, <clears throat> so, so yeah, thank you so much for, for coming, and thank you to all the story slammers. You guys were amazing, and it takes a lot of courage to be able to open up and, and, and share yourselves. So thanks, everybody, um, and we'll see you next time.